You have combatants in civil wars who have their own news agencies, their own social media departments. That is the world that we're in. News media, it's not what it used to be. What happens when you're halfway through a successful career, like media, only to find the very ground on which your corporate ladder is balancing has completely shifted? Can you make the leap from legacy industry to a new kind of business, even when the business model isn't entirely clear yet? Welcome to Insight Edge, the podcast all about leadership from the Australian Institute of Management. My name's Kirsten Lees. The reason that I just have done what I've done has actually been curiosity. This week, in the last of our series on leadership careers, we talked to Madhav Chinappa, Director of Strategic Relations, News and Publishers at Google. What's a news hack like him doing in a tech company? The stereotypical newsroom environment is quite aggressive. And how did he make the switch? Few industries have seen quite the disruption that the media has been through in the past two decades. Madhav cut his teeth in the newsrooms of the Associated Press, Asia Desk and the BBC. Six years ago, he made the switch to a leadership role at tech giant Google. I asked Madhav what he does at Google. I work with all parts of the news ecosystem, mainly in Europe. And what we try to do is to engage with them almost at the ecosystem level, to understand what the challenges that they're facing, to see whether there are technological collaborations that we can do that can be good for the overall health of the, 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 the news ecosystem, because Google's fundamentally a part of that. And I think that my background being in the news world is, let's just say I speak the news language. My background has been the vast majority in the news world, and that kind of traditional news world of the APs and the BBCs, as you said. But increasingly, I found that in that, quote, traditional world, that technology was having a huge influence on that. Um, and I'm not a technologist at all. Uh, I was just very curious about that because I saw technology fundamentally changing the way that everything in news was done. And it was almost like a, uh, an amalgamation of the editorial content and the uh, technology and also the kind of user and the audience were all coming together in ways that had never been there uh, before. Um, and I was just really curious to learn. Um, and that's sort of the bridge that took me from a news company to a technology company. And I still think I'm almost an outsider in this company. I'm, I'm a news person within a technology company. And sometimes that's great. Um, and sometimes it's less, less good. You know, I always joke that I'm like the technically dumbest guy at Google. So when you tell people you work for Google, they assume a whole lot of technical expertise. So I have to quickly follow up with the, I'm sorry, I can't fix your computer. <laughs> right, but, uh... Next, I ask what skills and attributes transfer from working in traditional news media to working in a global technology company. I think there are certain attributes that you can take to any job. One of the fundamentals for me uh, is actually passion and passion for the job and being interested in your job and being pa passionate about it. And I think that whether it's passion or curiosity, they're all part of the same thing which makes people interesting. And when I, you know, when I interviewed for people in, in, in my team that I set up here, I was looking for passionate people because I think that carries you a long way. Uh, I think some of the other sort of fundamentals that you, that, that you need that have kind of carried me through some ways, attention to detail. I mean, when I started at, at, at AP, I started in the, in the marketing department for Asia. And in the first year, 
we had, for Asia, we had two bulletins at, at certain set times. Going out to our clients, satellites were expensive. We had, you know, at some points it was like a 15-minute bulletin, then it got extended a bit. I noticed when the time change in Europe was happening, that they all, that the powers that be, were all going to assume that everything moved forward an hour. And no one had thought about what was happening in Asia, where there was no time change, uh, or Australia, where it was going the other way. And actually what happened is that the original proposal, uh, which the kind of European-based team, uh, the European-focused team had done, and the North American team had done, didn't take into account, they just moved the Asian bulletin. But that was a significant difference for us. And, you know, it's sort of this light attention to detail. So I, I kind of put my hand up and said, well, you can't actually do that. And they were like, well, oh, what, what do we do? And I ended up just kind of going, well, I think this might work, right? And that ended up, you know, developing the, the new schedule. Google's got an incredibly diverse uh, workforce, so it's great having, you know, non-Europeans working in Europe and non-Brits working here and non-Americans working in America. I think that kind of and that kind of diversity is actually really, really good for corporate health. So I think if I compare my news experience with my quote technology experience, um, there's two different cultures with two different approaches. Um, so, for example, I think in the news world, a lot of the decisions that are made in the, in the news world are actually based on kind of gut instinct. You have a nose for news, it feels right, that's a story, right? It's very qualitative. I asked Marav to describe the cultural differences. One of the cultural differences I encountered working for, uh, coming to work for a technology company is that it's a very data-driven decision-making, right? And so when they look at decisions, it, it, you know, you'll go, show me the data, show me the data. And, and you may go, well, I know this is a good idea. doesn't matter. You have to have the data and the evidence to back that up. And I think that's a, a cultural or a different approach that I, I, I think is really interesting. And, you know, one of the things a wiser colleague than me said is actually what you want is you want instinct plus insight. I think my role here is I'm trying to take some good things from the news world and bring that to tech, tech companies, but also communicating to the news world some of the good things from tech, the, the technology world as well. I, I find kind of just my personal role has always been slightly an outsider wherever I am, you know, having grown up in different places and moved around and all that kind of stuff. I think that what I'm finding really interesting as I get more into the data around stuff is actually the interesting points are when it contradicts your gut. Google helps fund uh, the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism at the University of Oxford, and they do a digital news report. And um, they did the report this year, and there were uh, some interesting findings that were, uh, let's say, contrary to, to conventional wisdom, which I thought were interesting. That doesn't necessarily mean it's right. I think it's just interesting to have that discussion. I mean, one of them was about the user importance of video. A lot of news organizations are going hell for leather into video. And actually, when you look at the user data, users are saying, well, hold on, video's good up to a point for certain things, but I actually still like reading just you know, plain text for, for other things as well. I think the other one was uh, really about you know, looking at where, you know, who, do, who do you trust. And, and actually, I think there's been a whole worry that digital is going um, to disrupt the, the entire kind of trust model there. But people still trust big brands, the old established brands, so there's still a role for that, which again, sometimes goes against the conventional wisdom, which uh, I think is interesting. What I do, what my team does, is we try to uh, build bridges between uh, the technology and the news ecosystem and specific partners within that 
for things that are good for the overall health of the news ecosystem. Um, our kind of shining example of that is a, a, a project called uh, AMP, Accelerated Mobile Pages. Um, and that came through a discussion and dialogue with a number of publishers who said to us, well, this world of what they call distributed content is very complicated. This is where you've got Facebook instant articles, you've got Apple News, you've got Snapchat Discover, even Google Play Newsstand. Um, and these are all different platforms that are saying to publishers, please give us your content and, uh, you know, in this a technical format and here are some business rule, business terms and contracts. And this was just complicated. And so publishers came to us and said, look, can you help with this? And um, the engineers sort of diagnosed the problem as actually that the mobile web was slow. So that's why all these platforms are saying, give us your content, because actually your mobile web pages are slow. So actually, if you make the mobile web faster, then actually everybody um, benefits. And to do that, we realized that's a much bigger deal than sort of the original ask. And that's why we created the AMP project as an open source project working with all parts of the news ecosystem from content management systems to publishers to analytics companies to paywall companies to ad tech companies all saying how do you create a form of HTML I did mention that I'm non-technical uh, so that's about as far as I will go uh, a form of HTML that is great and lightning fast for users but also really really flexible for publishers so they're still able to monetize their content in whichever way that they want in a way in and still keeping a great user experience um, and that came through a dialogue discussion and diagnosis um, and hopefully we'll, we'll have uh, other projects that will uh, follow along in the same vein finally i asked madaf what he believes the successful media leader looks like today I think in this day and age, they need to be a multidisciplinarian. They just need to be able to understand all the different parts of um, the ecosystem. I used to make this joke at the BBC that you know the editor of the 10 o'clock news never used to have to think about whether you were watching it on a Panasonic TV or a Sony TV. But nowadays, when nowadays when you're uh, creating content, you need to think about you know is it on Android or iOS. Is it on a five-inch screen, a seven-inch laptop? All these things are different, and actually, you know, the editorial needs to think about that, where before they never really had to. So I think being, you know, uh, a multidisciplinarian is, is really important. I think the other thing is that they, they definitely need to, to be a listener and to understand and listen to the different parts of the organizations that they have, um, but also listen to the audience and the user. And I think one of the things... Again, I've culturally learned at a technology company, and particularly at Google, um, is the importance of the user. You know, Google has a bit of a mantra that, you know, focus on the user and all else follows. And I think that that is uh, lived and breathed every day. I mean, I've even been in a meeting where I've heard a lawyer say, you know, well, from the user perspective, and that's, that was a bit surprising. And that's when I went, okay, that, you know, this is, this is it's not just a little sign on the wall or something. Um, and I think that, you know, understanding and focusing on the user is, is really important and, and listening to them is that. I also think, you know, um, for the news executive of, of today and of the future is that they need to think about the world in a different way. I think when I started in news, it was much simpler, right? Um, you know, it was very hard to find out what was happening. It was hard to you know, then tell people that because you needed satellite trucks to do TV or you needed, you know, printing presses and loads of trucks to, uh, uh, to get newspapers out. 
Uh, and it was very hard to kind of know what your audience wanted as well. And I think now we live in a world where technology and digital has completely disrupted that, where anyone can do can can broadcast to the world, right? And you're seeing that today with you know Facebook Live and some of the stuff that's been happening there. But it's you know, you have you have you have combatants in civil wars who have their own news agencies, right? And you know their their own social media departments. Um, this is this is on some levels quite scary and crazy, but that is the world that we're in, um, and so you need to be able to be incredibly flexible and to understand all of that, and I think also to to connect and to make those connections and and, and do that, um, and then at the end of the day, I think you know you also need to have really good people around you, right? And I think that's uh, uh, an important factor to know that you know there's not going to be one person who's able to do everything or be that kind of you know messianic leader it's actually now everything is team efforts and getting the right team dynamic and getting that uh, approach where everyone feels you know sort of safe to talk and to disagree and then you come to a conclusion that way i think is really important you know the newsroom the stereotypical newsroom environment is quite aggressive right um and i do remember being surprised when i went from ap to the bbc how quiet the newsroom was at the BBC because I was used to yelling, well, more like being yelled at, <laughs> uh, and uh, and let's say raising voices. Um, but I think that the the more collaborative, co- collegial discussions that you have definitely at the kind of the tech level doesn't mean that they're not hard, but there's not the aggression. And that particularly when you take things like, you know, it being data driven. That's things where you can, you know, there's evidence. You you back up your arguments with evidence as opposed to volume, right? It's not just the loudest voice wins. Um, and when you have approaches like, you know, focus on the user, I think that also can take out kind of aggression and the conflict in internal discussions. And I think that's a really good thing. I have a team, so I'm, by some definitions, I, I'm a, a leader. But I do also say to my team that, you know, we're very non-hierarchical and actually everybody's point of view is important. And actually, I remember when um, when I first got into the newsroom at APTV, I was very intimidated because I didn't have a journalistic background, but I you know, wanted to get into the newsroom because that's where the action was. Um, and my boss at the time, Al Anstey, um, I said to him, I said, look, I'm, I'm slightly intimidated. There are all these kind of journalists who've been working here in years and, you know, and he said, don't worry, your perspective is as valid as anybody's because at the end of the day, the most important perspective is the audience perspective. And you remember the audience. That kind of really helped me um, because you realize that when you have things like that, you know, your opinion is valid as anybody else's. And I, I think, you know, again, the tech approach is, you know, the user, but everybody's a user. So that doesn't mean that your opinion is not as valid as somebody else's. Um, they would ask you to back up your opinion with data. Next week, we have the first in our series on international dimensions of leadership. We talk to Australian leaders whose resumes include leadership roles on islands in the Pacific and managing gambling tables on the Las Vegas Strip. And we find out about leadership and management challenges and opportunities in Hong Kong, Malaysia, India and Macau from the people who run national management organisations in those countries.
My name's Kirsten Lees. This is Insight Edge from the Australian Institute of Management. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe to be the first to listen to future episodes and to catch up on some of the interviews we've done before, including David Hall, outgoing CEO and Qantas executive, Leanne Kemp, fintech entrepreneur from Barclays Techstars Accelerator, Mike Hanley, head of digital at the World Economic Forum, Linda Gratton, the Future of Work Consortium, Tony Simpson, from the Miles Partnership, Alex Christie, Group Head of Performance at Lendlease, Peter Hall, founder of Hunter Hall, Wendy Johnson from Salesforce, and Louise Robinson, CEO of Nambucca Heads Local Aboriginal Land Council. This has been another episode of Insight Edge with me, Kirsten Lees. You can read more about leadership from the Australian Institute of Management at leadershipmatters.com.au. Let us know what you think by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a review or get in touch by email research at aim.com.au. My name's Kirsten Lees.